The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Welcome to the show once again, John Scholes, of course, co-hosting with me, Lior Samfiru, employment lawyer, Lior Samfiru, of course, from Samfiru to Mark and LLP, the most positively reviewed law firm in the country, reaching out anytime. You might want to have that chat. You might be getting nervous, things going on at work you're not sure of. Don't sit back in your laurels and hesitate and wait and be disappointed. Make the phone call, 1-855-821-5900. You can also go to help at employmentlawyer.ca and a little uh, website we like to call pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Tons of information on there, including the severance calculator. Wickedly handy. We might get to using that a little later on tonight. We get to answering some questions that Lior gets recently or got recently about being let go from a job. How cool is that? But first, we always start off with a case of the day. What do you got going on, pal? Hey, John, I am ready. You know, when your Thanksgiving is over, I may be a bit sluggish, but I am here <laughs> ready to answer as many questions as possible about employment law. And it's been a busy start of this short week for me. A lot of people with questions. And I think, John, this time of year, unfortunately, you know, this, this month, October and into the first half of November, mm-hmm. uh, employees tend to lose their job. Employers tend to make changes going into the, the year ahead. So it's inevitable that many people are going to feel the, the effect of that time of year and may find themselves even not expecting it uh, with a termination letter in front of them. Well, that's why it's so valuable that you listen to the show so that you know what right. to do, so you know what to expect. And of course, you understand what your rights are. If you do lose your job, if you think you're going to lose your job, you really want to reach out. Let's have a talk. Let's even preempt that by ensuring that we have all our ducks in a row. Uh, it's very, very important. But beyond that, of course, right now, as John said, we're live to answer your question. So if you're struggling with something in the workplace, you want to know what to do if your boss is mistreating you or if your supervisor has said or done something, or maybe you're worried about uh, the fact that your hours of work have changed. Whatever that issue, whatever the problem, give us a call right now. I'll tell you what you need to know, what you can do about it, and explain your rights. And a good place to start, of course, case of the day. Let me tell you about a situation that came across my desk. Now, mm-hmm. when I spoke to this, uh, this gentleman earlier today, initially I thought I was talking to uh, our good friend, Mr. Clark Griswold. And the reason for that is he told me that he got some bad news. And the news that he got, and it's actually no laughing matters, his company announced that they're going to get rid of bonuses uh, this year. So usually right around the holidays, they get a nice bonus. And for him, that meant right around $15,000 if you look at a three-year average. So that's a lot of money. It's a substantial amount of money. And they just announced that they've decided not to do bonuses this year and they're going to evaluate again next year for 2023. And, of course, he and his colleagues were very, very upset. And he called me. Really, he had a simple question is, can they do that? Are they allowed to just tell us no bonuses? Well, at least he hasn't gone ahead and bought a pool. But regardless (laughs) of that, no, his employer is not really allowed to do this. And here's what I mean. What is this employer actually doing? Well, they're giving him a pay cut. Any way you slice it, if he expected to make a certain amount of money this year, he's now not going to make that. His employer is giving him a pay cut. And $15,000 is a big pay cut. So hopefully our regular listeners know what I'm going to go, what I'm about to say. Whenever we're talking about a pay cut, that idea, the concept of constructive dismissal should come to mind. 
If your employer makes a significant change to the term of employment, in this case, it's a significant pay cut, you may have the option to consider that as a termination, to consider that to be a constructive dismissal. Now, his base salary stayed the same, his job duties are the same, uh, his hours of work are the same. His bonus is the one that they got rid of. Company can't just say, well, bonus is discretionary. Company can't just decide to do whatever it wants with the bonus. If there's a history there that you, you regularly get a bonus, they can't just take it away. Now, for him, he may not want to pursue a constructive dismissal. He may just want to accept this. That's his decision, and he's going to think about that. But a very important reminder there for everyone that if some component of your compensation is taken away, your commissions, in this case your bonuses, even your car allowance, that may give rise to a constructive dismissal. If you're not sure, if you want to talk about it, probably before you do anything else, just give me a call. It's interesting, though, because you know people would say exactly that to be devil's advocate. Well, the R is not part of his salary. It's, it's, it's a bonus. It's all in the title. Why he doesn't deserve it every year if they don't have it. It's discretionary, you know? And that would be legitimate if the history was that sometimes the company pays it, sometimes they don't, they decide year to year. In which case, yeah, it would be discretionary and they can decide what to do. That's mm. That would have been the history. But if right. every year he gets it, he, and the line is actually in the movie, in, in National Lampoons, he counts on it as part of his salary, counts on it as part of his compensation because he gets it every year. At that point, it's no longer discretionary. It becomes a term of employment and his employer can't just take away the bonus. And give him the Jelly of the Month Club. I got you. It doesn't work that way. I want to get to the topic, though, and that's answering some questions, Leroy, you got recently about being let go from a job. Now, when you give your assessment of a person's severance, how accurate is that assessment, and is it the the law or just your opinion? Because people are going to say, well, my boss told me this. You're saying this, Leor. Where's the middle ground? I get asked that often, and, and that's a great uh, question and a good place to start. One of the things you hear me do on this show all the time and every show is I assess someone's severance. I say, you know, in this situation, you owe that much severance. And many people, if not most people, are surprised because, wait a second, what you're assessing, Leo, is a lot higher than what I thought. It's a lot higher than what I believe to be true or what my boss told me. So is it just an opinion? No, it's not. When I assess someone's entitlements, whether it's you do a consultation with me in the office or if it's on this show, I give, I assess it based on what the law provides. So it's not an opinion. It's not a hopeful thing. It's not a, well, maybe. No, it's what the law provides for you. And I have, you know, 150 years of precedent to call on to assess what you're owed. So if I assess you as being owed 12 months of severance or 24 months severance or anything else, that's what the law provides. So there's no opportunity for your boss or anyone else to say, no, that's not what it is, or it should be less than that. So it is the law. And one way to find out how much you're owed, as I said, you can call me and I'll tell you, but you can do that anytime by yourself. You grab your smartphone, you go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, use our severance calculator, like 2 million people already have, and find out in seconds the real amount, your full severance. Sometimes we call that your common law severance. It's, it, it is the law, and it's exactly what you're owed. You continue in just a moment here. The Employment Law Show is coming right up. Hang on. You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. 
The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment. Yeah, come on, bring it on. Lines are open, ready for your call. So, uh, so have at her, and we'll keep going here with common questions about losing your job. It's a scary time, but that's why we're asking and answering all these questions on the show. Number two, and this one I know you've had before. Interesting, though, says, since smoking pot's legally, or can I be fired for smoking up at work? Yeah, and, and I, I was asked that actually uh, last week, and here's how that works. The answer is no. Uh, well, sorry, the answer is you don't have the right to smoke at work if your employer says no, and yes, you can be fired, and the way to look at it, it's like drinking. Drinking, you know, yeah. You know, drinking alcohol is perfectly legal, right? There's no law that says you can't drink as long as you're not driving, etc. But that doesn't mean you have a right to drink at work. And if your employer says there's no drinking at work policy, just like if they say there's no smoking pot at, at a policy, then, yeah, you can absolutely be disciplined for smoking pot. So the fact that it's legal doesn't mean that your employer allows it and doesn't mean that you have a right to do it at work. Now, I want to mention one thing here. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some cases, maybe even in most cases, if you're, you know, you're, you smoked when you shouldn't and, and you did weed when you were not supposed to, that doesn't necessarily mean that you could be fired for cause. It's a form of misconduct and you can be disciplined for it, but not necessarily fired for cause. And so in other words, if your employer tries to fire you for cause, that may still be a wrongful dismissal because it takes a lot to fire someone for cause. And one incident usually is not enough. Now, if you're uh, in a safety-sensitive position, you're operating heavy machinery or driving, and, and that's when you smoke uh, you, you smoke pot, then yeah, your employer may well then have cause because what you did is a big deal. But if you're working in the office and you smoke pot when you're not supposed to, if it's a one-time thing, it's probably not cause. Uh, but I still don't recommend doing that. Uh, not, not a good idea. If your employer says don't do it, you shouldn't. I want to remind you anytime you can go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, ask your questions, or at least have questions answered, pardon me, right there. There's a whole menu of things you can look at, and also the severance pay calculator. Having said that, Lior, um, severance calculator for those who work in specialized industry, where there's not a lot of jobs, is it, is it, a, is it a special thing? Is it, is it just as useful a tool or what? It's a great question. And uh, one of the factors, maybe even the most important factor, that goes into deciding how much severance someone should get is how difficult will it be to replace your job? Uh, And some jobs can be replaced very easily. Uh, Other jobs may be more difficult, especially if you work in a specialized industry and there's just not a lot of positions, not a lot of jobs. You know, you're working in, I don't know, uh, aviation or, or something like that. There may not be a thousand jobs out there. So it may take you longer to find another job than someone that does a different job. So what does that mean? That means that if you're in a specialized position, you're out even more severance than you would normally. So someone that has kind of a regular job, maybe owed 10 months, as an example, you in the same situation, but with a specialized job, could be owed 15 or 16 or 18 months severance. Now, the the reality is that the, the severance calculator can't assess all factors. So especially if you're in a sensitive or in a specialized position, you may be out even more severance than what the severance calculator shows you. That's why uh, the calculator is a great, it's an excellent place to start to wrap your head around your entitlements, but it's not something that you should be relying on as the final word. For that, you have to call me. There could be other factors 
that could increase or even decrease your severance. And definitely, if you're in a specialized position in a specialized industry, if it's going to take you a long time to find another job, yeah, that could significantly increase the amount of severance. I want to get to a call from uh, from Frank. Hey, Frank, thanks for holding on for a moment. How are you tonight? Very good. How are you, sir? Good. What's uh, what's on your mind? I'd like to, I'd like to throw a scenario out. Um, I've gone mm-hmm. to your website. Thank you for that. So, and uh, someone over sixty years of age, twenty three, twenty four years of experience, and a high paying job. Let's say over two hundred thousand. Employer offers you, according to your website, you'll get the twenty four months. Right. If your employer offers you less. What, at, at what point do you balance the costs of your services to get the extra dollars versus how much you're getting in return? Mm. So in other words, if they offered you 21 months and your website says it's 24 and you do the math on the three months, what are the legal fees going to be? And are you going to come out a net winner right. if, in fact, gotcha. you retain your services? So I'll say a few things here, and that's an excellent question. First of all, in the vast majority of cases, especially in a situation like you've just described, when they offered me 21 and it should be 24, to resolve that gap, that delta between 21 and 24, does not take a lot of work from from me and my team. Usually one or two letters uh, can get this done and you know that could be a significant value those extra three months, especially as you said, if it's a high paying position, but either way. So, and the cost for that would actually be very small, number one. And number two, in the vast majority of those cases, we get the company to pay for some, if not all, those fees. So the net effect of that may be that you pay almost nothing uh, and, and get this uh, get this resolved. The other thing is that a lot of our clients prefer that we act on a contingency basis. So we only take a percentage of the improvement. So if we've improved your severance offer by three months, we take a percentage of that. So it's actually physically impossible for you to be worse off. You'll always be better off and Hmm. we'll still get the company to contribute at least a portion of your legal fees back to you. So cost should not be a consideration in the vast majority of cases. And if there's ever a situation where someone calls me and it's not worth it for them to pursue it, I'll tell them. Okay. But that, that is actually rare. Uh, and, and, uh, hopefully that explains it, Frank. Okay. So if I could just do one other follow-up, if I wanted to get in touch with you tomorrow, number one, is that feasible? And number two, is there a charge for the initial consultation or is it a, a business development cost? So the vast majority of the consultations that we do are free. In some cases, uh, we, we do charge a consultation fee, but the vast majority are free and it depends on the situation. Uh, most terminations, in fact, almost all terminations, when someone just calls us about losing their job, uh, we do that as a free consultation. But if you call us tomorrow, uh, they'll let you know exactly, uh, you know, if it's free or not. And again, if it's a termination, it's going to be free and be happy to connect with you and help you out. And would there be an opportunity to deal with you directly? It really depends on the timelines as to when you need this resolved. Uh, I try as much as I can, but we have the best team in, in this country. So either way, whether it's me or anyone on my team, you're in amazing hands. 
Frank, appreciate the call. And if you need to move forward, of course, one 821 5900 Again, Frank, one 821 5900 And to help at employmentlawyer.ca. Talking about common questions you get every day about losing jobs. It's a scary time, right? So, you know, say, Leo, someone has a contract that says prevents them from competing and non-compete with their employer for 12 months, a whole year. Does that they mean they should at least get 12 months severance to compensate? How do you, how do you navigate that sucker? Which makes sense, right? If the company yep. doesn't want you to work for a year, they should pay you uh, a year's pay. Now, here's one thing before we even touch on that. In many cases, now, non-competition obligations are not enforceable. Now, there's also legislation in Ontario that for, for makes it illegal for some people not that, uh, to, to have those. So mm-hmm. right off the bat, that may be uh, unenforceable completely. But for some people, especially if you're in a more senior position, an executive position, that non-compete may be enforceable. Now, does that necessarily mean that if you have a 12-month non-compete or 24-month non-compete, that that's how much severance you're going to get? No. There's no direct one-to-one correlation. But what it does mean is that it's going to increase your severance. So it may not be all the way up to 12 or 24 months, but it will increase it. Why? Because it's going to be more difficult for you to find another job, at least in that industry, for a period of time and anything that makes it more difficult for you to find a a job increases your severance so yet another reason why it's so important to get that advice if you lose your job because having a non-compete is going to increase your severance absolutely is that something you negotiate out of it sometimes you can and and you should you just have to be kind of careful how to do that uh, you don't want the company to think, well, wait a second, are you saying that you're coming here to take our secrets and go work for a competitor? No. So, I mean, the way I position it is, you know, job security. If you, you know, I want to I want to do a really good job for you here. And if at some point uh, you decide to let me go, I want to make sure I can still support my family. Or, you know, if at some point you do so well that you sell your business and the new owner doesn't want to keep me, I just want to make sure that I can continue working. If you put it in those terms, oftentimes employers are going to be uh, amenable. If you can negotiate out a non-compete, you absolutely should. 416-870-6400. You still got a, a couple minutes here to ask uh, some questions if you want to bring those on. We're talking about common questions to get with people or let go. And you, you touched on this at the beginning of the show, and that was the old company car. What happens to that sucker when you let go? Yeah, the old company car. So oftentimes people either have a car lounge or they actually get a company car to drive. So that is of a, a value to the employee. So if the company, if you have a company car, well, if you didn't have it and you had to, let's say, lease one, that could cost you, I don't know, four, five, seven hundred dollars a month, depending on the car. So that amount is a value. So what happens is if you lose your job, you have to get paid severance. So let's say the severance period is 10 months. Well, the company has two options then. They can either let you keep the car for 10 months. Or they can take the car, but they have to give you the financial equivalent of that. So if the car's value is $500 a month, they can add another $500 times 10 in that example. So bottom line is the value of the car has to be accounted for as part of your severance. They can't just say, okay, you're done, return the car, and we're not going to pay you anything extra. They absolutely have to. So keep that in mind. All components of your compensation, including the car, have to be included as part of the severance. Love it. Got to grab another call. Eris, how are you? Thank you, Eris, for t- standing by. What's your question? Hi, good. How are you guys doing today? Good. Good. What's going on? Uh, I just have a 
couple of general uh, questions. Uh, again, long, long time listener, first time caller. Uh, as a, uh, I, I wanted to ask Leo about the independent contractor uh, bit that he had a, a couple of weeks ago, and we discuss it all the time. Uh, as an, I'm an associate dentist, and as an associate dentist, we're all considered independent contractors, regardless of where you go, which, which, what uh, accountant you go to, larger, smaller, everyone, all the dentists are considered independent contractors. I just wanted to know his idea how that works then, because we're all, we all work at a certain amount of hours. We're supposed to be a certain amount of days uh, for the principal dentist or the company that owns the office, uh, but we're all considered independent contractors. And yeah, so you're you're dependent on the the dentist that you work for. They set the schedules and et cetera. Yeah. Uh, and I can tell you, and this is common. I have some some dentist friends, so I'm, I'm quite familiar with this issue. I'll tell you this right now: you're an employee. You're not maybe an employee. You're kind of an employee. Hmm. You're an employee. And this is not unique just to your industry. It's 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 common in other industries as well. Uh, but you are an employee and you know, what you do about it is up to you at a minimum. Here's what I would say is if at some point for whatever reason you're let go, remember that you are an employee. And at that point we can get severance because you're an employee. In the meantime, you know, I understand that it's not a comfortable thing to rock the boat. So you may decide to, to keep that status quo, but you are an employee for sure. Okay. Cause that's happened in the past. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable where I am, but in the past, I've had that situation uh, where because I was considered an independent contractor, it's more difficult to get severance. Like, I had a position where for six months, because uh, we're paid on collections, we're not paid on uh, billing. So yes. we work, it's dependent, dependent on the uh, principal dentist and how they collect. So for six months, they made a mistake, and I didn't get any payment at all. So I, for, for about six months, I only got paid for about a month. So I eventually quit. And uh, I left the position because I wasn't getting paid. And uh, when I spoke to some uh, uh, lawyers that are specialized in that area with dentists, they said that uh, it's not worth your time to go after it. Our fees would be higher than, than what you would collect. They, you you should have uh, called us. And, and if it, it's been less than two years, you can still call us to, to deal with it. Uh, uh, we deal with this no, exact same situation all the time. Okay, no, it's good to know. I just wanted to know like, if we were an exception for some reason, because uh, no. we seem to an exception in a lot of places, so I wanted to know if we were an exception in this case. Okay. Thanks, Harris. Thanks, Appreciate Harris. the call. Yeah, we'll see if we can get Sandra on quickly here in the last couple uh, last couple of minutes. Hi, Sandra. Thanks for hanging on quickly. What's your question? Oh, I'm just um, wondering if you could clarify the, uh, the definition of uh, common law. Uh, awesome. law in terms of severance, cool. because my understanding is that you have to, in order to get severance, um, the gross uh, payroll has to be over like two hundred fifty thousand a year. No, the so uh, so your common law severance is the the amounts your what we call your full severance. Your minimum amount of severance may be dependent on a company's payroll, the size of the company's payroll, but that's irrelevant. Your full severance, which is all that matters, is or we also call it your common law severance, is owed to every employee. doesn't matter if you work for a small company or a big company, if you work for a month or you work for 50 years, everyone has that entitlements. So those minimum entitlements form a small portion of what you're owed, not really that important. Your full entitlements is only what matters. 
Great questions tonight, guys. Really appreciate you uh, chiming in on the phones. We'll do it all again tomorrow night as well. So in the meantime, you can reach out to Lior with any questions and his team. He mentioned he's got the best in the country. 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca if you want to slide an email along. And that website, always use it, bookmarket, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We'll catch you next time on the Employment Law Show. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Chorus Entertainment.